Hi everyone, welcome back to Conscious Sobriety. I'm Stephanie Moyer. I am so grateful that you're here listening and I'm grateful to have had this conversation with my guest today. Today I had Robbie come on and he's a really great friend of mine. We've known each other going on almost five, no, we've known each other for four years. So we discussed what it's like to be in the beginning phases of sobriety and wanting to move away from alcohol. We discuss what it's like to be around someone that doesn't drink and the influence that might have, and then our own discoveries in sobriety so far. So I'm really grateful, again, that you're all here. If you have questions about what we talked about, I am going to um, I'm going to bring a list of books with me to this post that um, so don't worry about that as we're mentioning them throughout there will be information in on my Instagram so if you want to reach out to me about questions you have please do so on consciously Steph or the conscious sobriety Instagram that both of those searches will will bring up the Instagram and I'd love to talk to y'all so thank you for listening and um, please enjoy my conversation that I had with Robbie thanks hi Robbie how's it going it's going well. Good to talk to you here on Zoom. I know we're a, we're a commercial for Zoom. We're wondering if it will if it will allow us to talk the entire time, but um, that's a problem we'll come to if we need to. We'll so, cross that bridge when we're there. Exactly. Um, so I wanted to get started with just asking you how we know each other. Well, like many roommates, we were both dancers for the Sixers, <laughs> and then. Of course, I'm kidding. Stephanie and I, we go a ways back only to meeting in adulthood. We both Mm -hmm. were a part of the same teacher recruiting organization. Won't name it. (laughs) Some of you may know what it is. But we both ended up teaching in Guilford County. We're really good friends, fostered a friendship over a year, and then excitedly one day decided to move in together and spent two wonderful years as roommates and became very close and here we are just a couple of adults moving from our um our youth of the lower 20s into the mid and upper 20s faster than (laughs) i'd like it sometimes you know noticing the skin's not looking as fresh especially on this zoom call for you, me, I was going to say, you are you wonderful. talking about for yourself or for me? You look was, absolutely beautiful. I, I look haggard that is not and true. spent <laughs> and like I'm about to be discarded directly after this meeting. Oh my but anyways, word. Stephanie is one of my many rocks and I love her very much. Yeah. Great friend. Yeah, I feel the same way about you. I was um, thinking about that because I always think about when you told me that you would move in with me if... I wanted you to because I was in need of a roommate as my roommate was moving out and moving in with her uh, significant other. And I was like, you know, just not wanting to yet live on my own because it's expensive and all those things that go into living. And uh, Bronx decides he wants to feature on this podcast. So he's going to be, you know, he's my ears in my apartment complex. He needs to (laughs) alert me if anybody's around. Um, so yeah, I always think about that moment when Robbie's like, you know, Steph, I'll be your roommate if you need a roommate. And it was just such a great moment because I was excited for our friendship to go into the, into the 
direction that is, you know, living together. I was a little scared because I'm not, I'm not the cleanest person to, uh, be around and I was like is this gonna is this gonna really uh mess up a friendship and I don't think it did I think it made our friendship stronger so I am grateful for that oh so I think it did and honestly I'm not going to I think let's not leave any mysteries out there I don't think either of us would neither of us would probably consider ourselves as like cleaners Mm -hmm. We're more into the living in the present. That's I guess I thought, to too. put it best, we live in the present, yeah. And we we take things as they come, whether right. that be dust or whatever you want to call it. And there were days, <laughs> definitely, especially on that those final cleanup days, where yeah. I thought, "Oof, wow. right. let's hope some of this deposit comes back." <laughs> Honestly, cover that, cover that wall with the hole. Do you think they'll notice the hole in the back of my door? I mean... Don't know where that came from. (laughs) Oh, and then also how I use, like, little stickies to my bathroom, for those of us who don't know, like, sort of the doors came off the hinges in my um, vanity. Literally. And I literally used, like, some of that putty to stick it back on. (laughs) They didn't catch it. Not. I don't even think the people who live there now did. Uh Uh-oh. Hopefully they're not listening. Love I you guys. Thank you for getting that journal for me. I know. Like met, it's like the the hinges coming off. It's not a metaphor. It is for for losing our our stuff. It's it was a literal door. Um, yes. Well, that was that was a really awesome time, and we got you know Bronx together, sort of. You yes. went with me to to adventure into parenthood with the dog, and that was a very nice moment. Um, but yeah, so you are on your own sobriety journey. And um, I just wanted to have you on because you were with me when I was going through my thoughts about staying away from drinking and you were such an accepting person in my story. And I so appreciated that because when I started to share my thoughts, the ones that I was having with Sean mostly about not really liking who I was when I was drinking and you were just so supportive and you didn't care one way or the other. And it was a relief and like an exhale that I experienced. Cause I was like, Oh, cause I've been telling myself that everybody and their mom is going to care if I stop drinking. And you were like, I do not care. So I appreciate that. And I do thank you for that. Um, but could you tell us a little bit about like how your entry into sobriety started what did you start thinking when you were thinking maybe this isn't for me well to use the coin term you and sean have i guess i became sober curious is that the is that the yeah term? yeah and definitely we've gotten that from other people so well but yes okay, it is so it's a perfect. stolen term but a yeah. wonderful term <laughs> we appropriated the term <laughs> probably the day you introduced to me that you were done and in classic stephanie enneagram eight way i we were just just to set the scene folks we were at a pool that we didn't belong to um we were the only patrons there because teachers over the summer we do what we want that's right (laughs) and she was reading on her uh, little you know fold at her little like little lounge chair Mm -hmm. you were reading oh my gosh i read this in this book had a great impact on me what was that book called the um this naked mind this naked mind, yeah. and she just sort of looked up. I was in the pool because I like I'm I'm sort of like a hippo when it comes to the pool. I like to get in the water, like submerge a little. <laughs> and I was just sort of up and just relaxing. 
I was reading too, but it's hard for me to stay focused. And then suddenly Stephanie said, I think I'm done drinking. She literally came out of the, I'm paraphrasing here, but she just, she said it like that. It wasn't like, I'm thinking about it. I'm done drinking. I don't need it. And I was like, I remember saying, oh, really? Like, okay. And then maybe like asking for some details and she just riddled, listed off the different things. And I thought, okay. And I had some thoughts to myself naturally, but just sort of really curious, Mm -hmm. I guess, really also just sort of thrown off because of course it was something that we had done a lot together Yeah. as we were forming our friendship and something that people just do. So I was kind of like, this is, this is a shift. I didn't see it coming. Didn't even know you were reading the book. Um, But I guess that's when it started. And then when just living with the two, you and living with you and knowing Sean and you through that next year, I watched the two of you and your lives drastically change as you stepped away from alcohol. Mm -hmm. And throughout all that, I mean, just by osmosis, I stopped drinking as much because Mm -hmm drinking loves a partner so if you don't have a partner to do it with it's kind of like I feel like our subconscious says "Mm -mm, not right now and I slowly built those positive memories of not drinking and understanding that I can have a lot of fun and live my life in a very productive way without it even though there were times when I would do it you know even in the apartment just like you know this during a ball game or whatever and then sometimes you would, I would go off on weekends without you and do whatever. But slowly, like, the negative memories started building with drinking and the positive mm-hmm. memories started building away from it. And I think I had a couple of breaking points over the summer of 2020, as I imagine many of us had, yeah. with yeah. Um, that whole pandemic thing that's living with us today. Yeah, hey, girl. And <laughs> I think the isolation... Mm-hmm. of being well I had you which was an which was an awesome thing but being yeah. isolated just from regular social interaction I think I learned a lot from myself I think and you remember in the early spring I had one of my sort of those moments was just feeling anxiety ridden yeah. and sort of having a bit of a breakdown you know full disclosure right. where I ended up having to just move out for a week and just sort of staying with my family yeah and just taking a deep step back And then, honestly, just having a summer where I made some questionable decisions, you know, went out and drank too much a bunch of times and realized that it wasn't fulfilling. You know, I was trying to fill a hole, you know, trying to numb myself from, you know, the day to day experiences of life and coming to realize that's not really what I wanted and sort of like you, I guess. I remember the moment where I actually had come back from a dinner with a friend and I had had, you know, three martinis. Right. And I remember just having this moment where I was like, this isn't for me. This yeah. really isn't for me. And six months later, here I am. I, I just got my six month little stamp. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I, I can say I don't see myself going back at all, but that's sort of the quick snip journey I had just sort of a couple things compounding and honestly the pandemic I think being forced to be with yourself for that much time forced to think with yourself for that much time I sort of there were some what what is it called I was exposed to some of my inner demons I guess you could say 
and some things that I'd been hiding from for a long time, using alcohol to cover it up. I thought I was, I thought I was living and I was coping in a healthy way. Right. But I realize now that I think I made the best choice for me. Not speaking on anybody else's journey, we all walk our different path. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was time to step away from that whole charade. And I feel a lot better for it, not just physically, which I can definitely attest to. Stephanie can definitely tell you my medical history, a lot of illnesses living with her. Haven't been sick for the last six months. That's been pretty cool. But mentally and psychologically, I think that has been, you know, just not having like every day is perfect. Right. But understanding who I am and being able to navigate things. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us, too, because what I heard you say was, you know, we were covering it, covering up some things. When you're just with yourself in the pandemic times, you realize a lot of things. And I think uh, for myself, I remember back in, you know, April, a lot of the things that was in April, I had 10 months away from alcohol in, in, in April of 2020. And I was coming up on a year, you know, and I had all these things almost, you know, not, I don't want to say taken from me, but there were the, the things that I really, that held up my life that I love and that really supported me in my journey, like teaching with students and seeing them every day, which I know you have the same, that really impacts you. Like seeing kids' faces and you smile and they smile at you is like something in our bodies is just like, yep, we like that. That's awesome. That feels good. That was kind of changing and morphing. I wasn't doing orange theory because it had closed. And so that physical element was being taken. And I say taken, but that sounds dramatic, but it was changing. And, you know, different situations were were morphing and, and it wasn't a happy time at all. And I was like, this is not what I need. And so I was, it was, I was left with myself, you know, and I was left with, okay, I have 10 months of sobriety and I'm really proud of that. But like, I was seeing the things that I had to, had to deal with and had to learn from that alcohol did help me cover. And so when I heard you say that alcohol, I was drinking, you know, to think that that was the thing we do. So I wanted to ask you, what were some things you thought alcohol was going to bring to your life? Well, and to branch off of what you said, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but when I think of what was taken Mm -hmm. or what was removed during the pandemic lockdown, it's almost as if for all of us, we have our foundation of what our life is. And some of those things, for lack of a better term, I'll say are superficial, Mm -hmm. meaning they can be taken, like our exercise routine, like going out to dinner, like this, like that. The little things that make us who we are, and like you said, it leaves us with ourself. Um, So for me, I think, yeah, like you were forced to look at yourself after that. And then for me, in some ways, I actually leaned into drinking during some times Mm -hmm. in a way to sort of cover up or to fill gaps that I was seeing. Mm -hmm. Like, once again, I'm just going to use the most potent example I have. After my breakdown in April, after I spent a week sort of just taking care of myself at my family's house, really lying low, really starting to journal, really starting to think about how I felt, really writing down how I felt onto a page and like trying to process what that meant. 
directly after that, uh, I remember you were going away for a weekend, and that made me extremely anxious. I did not want to be alone. Right. I did not want to go back home because I kind of felt like that was sort of admitting to a failure. Like I can't handle, like you can't sure. handle living as an adult. Yeah. So I remember one of my friends, Jacob. Yeah. One of my friends. Yes, not your friend. <laughs> just kidding. One of our friends, Jacob. You know, reached out. Yeah. And asked if I wanted to join him and his family for Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. And at the time, and to this day, like he's shocked that I thought this, but this is just the. These are the lies you tell yourself, like when you're not confident in who you are. Yeah, the stories you tell yourself. I thought that you would reach out to him because you were worried, telling him that Robbie needs something to do. Like he was reaching out in pity of me. Meanwhile, he didn't even know what had happened. He didn't know I had the breakdown. He didn't know I had to go home for a week. Um, And so, like, I like thought that was what was going on, but I was like, just go anyways. You need this. When you told me that, I was like, I keep things in the vault, Robbie. I really do. I keep things. Brene Brown told me that the V in braving is to keep things in the vault from people. I really didn't tell Jacob, and uh, I don't remember even where I was, what I was doing. But uh, I was. I remember you telling me that, and I, I was grateful that Jacob did reach out. It didn't matter how he did, but it was. It was friends being friends so yeah and I just and I guess a couple of the things were alcohol filled the void of loneliness Mm -hmm. it filled the it was supposed to fill the void of loneliness it was supposed to fill the void of socialization to think of that moment I remember it was Friday and during like that entire two-month stretch a really hard time for me was like when it got dark out and when I knew it was like night because I was having I wasn't sleeping um, really during the month of April or early May. It was a very, so anyways, like I sort of, I remember it was getting close to nighttime and like I had, I hadn't told Jacob if I was coming or not. Cause I felt like I was imposing on his family, but then suddenly I was like, you can't be in this house by yourself. Right. And then I went over to, I spent the Memorial day weekend there and I absolutely abused the alcohol I consumed that weekend you know, did some questionable things and it like the, but when, sorry, I'm just sort of, no, it's okay. I'm free falling right now. I, I think but it's great. Any, I think you're doing great. But no, I mean, I remember the moment I got there, I cracked open a beer and then that was the, that was it. Yeah. That whole weekend, that whole three day stretch, it was just one after another, just trying to shut up my mind, just trying to truck forward, just trying to have a good time right. when in reality the best moments of being there were being present with the people that I loved and knew yeah. Jacob and his family who are wonderful people right. and they'd welcomed me they welcome me every time I'm there like yeah. I'm their own family and it's a treasure in my life and here I am showing up getting wrecked and thinking that that is what I want out of my life mm-hmm. and it didn't do anything for me because right after that weekend, like for a little bit, I felt good that I'd had them for Mm -hmm. the weekend. But then suddenly that loneliness, that anxiety crept back up on me. And it was sort of a question of, well, what's going to, how am I going to plug this hole in the ship? Cause we're taking on water and we don't want to go under at least for now. (laughs) So, but that, I guess it plugged for me. That was one you think it's going to plug up loneliness. You think it's going to make you a more sociable person, 
But let me tell you from people who were witnesses of that weekend, I was not a very pleasant person um, after drinking more. I became a a less pleasant person. Some fun stories were told about me, but not necessarily stories that I would like being told all the time. Yeah, and I think I think what it, I was hearing you say too was like we we were, and I was I totally thought alcohol is connection and it helps you to connect mm-hmm. with others. It and I I've always been I have not felt like I suffer a lot with social anxiety. I I've been and am a pretty I don't even want to say confident, but I am like, I am assured of you myself, are. whether, whether you're very it's, sure, whether it's accurate. It's one of the things I love about you, Stephanie, I am, I am a type nine and we yeah. are more we're close, of the, yeah. we're, we're, we're next to each other on the Enneagram, but basically I am the type of person who likes to observe a scene. Stephanie is somebody like if we are at the rodeo, Stephanie's on the bowl. I'm like peeking through the fence. <laughs> Just like in awe of it, Stephanie, you are a very confident person in social situations. And, and I, well, and I think it was alcohol, like, brought that out even farther in me. And I be, and not in the way that I'm proud of either. Like, I really was at a point of, I would get really loud. I would get really mean for the sake of thinking it was funny. I, I was there to almost put on a show. It was like I was practicing my comedy skit and I am not a comedian. And so, and it just came out as aggressive almost. And, and I wasn't proud of that. And I did get to a point and it's, it's crazy because before I met Sean, I was really like, okay, alcohol is what alcohol is life giving. I love it. it. It's what makes me funny. It makes me like enjoy the moment and when I met him I was really like I want more out of this life and I don't want to do this and be this person that is self-deprecating and 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 drinks alcohol and thinks it's going to bring connection because that was that's all I that's all I think society tells us it's going to do like no one takes a photo for their Instagram story of just like a glass of wine without like another person's glass of wine. Cause like, Oh, you're with someone you're doing that as a source of connection and as a bond yes. experience. Nobody just puts the bottle that they're drinking on the by themselves sure. on the Instagram story. Right. But mm-hmm. it's what it, it's what you want and need. Like I was a slave to the thought of alcohol. When was I going to drink it next? What was I going to drink? How much was I going to drink? And it was enslaving me and I was I was exhausted for, quite frankly and that's probably why I said to you at the pool you know I think I'm done I, I am done well I think for you and you've said this before you've probably said it on the pod but you reading that book it was like you and you I think you were processing a lot of these feelings anyways regardless mm-hmm. and that's why you were drawn to the book to begin with but you had said that it helped you realize a lot of truths that you knew yeah existed for you but you just maybe hadn't had the time to stop and think about or hadn't had the courage, maybe that's not the correct word, to admit to mm. yourself, to save yourself or whatever you want to call it. I mean, yeah. do you think – and here a question I've always wondered. Do you think you would have still taken on this journey? Do you think you still would have decided or thought about becoming sober had it not been for meeting Sean? Do you think that no. was a necessary catalyst? I, oh, I know it was. And I don't know how or why 
Uh, well, I do, I think. I actually, yeah, I do. I've journaled about it. <laughs> I know why. <laughs> so, like, I thought, well, it's why we all go out to bars, I think, when you're single. We, alcohol is like the, you know, the lubricant to make you feel more yourself, more confident. Like, I'm going to go to that guy and have a conversation, right? I thought for four years of college and two years after college that being in a social situation where alcohol was involved was going to be where I met my husband, you know, or I met my man. And it never ended up like that. Because we think the juice is going to give us the juice. Right. And it, I mean, it doesn't, and it, it does, and it makes me like, and so when I met Sean, we met on a dating app and like went for a date and we went and got drinks and the drinks were really fun. And I remember that. And I was like, okay, I'm getting to know him. And we decided we wanted to get dinner. We didn't want the night to end. So we went and got dinner. And the next day I was texting my friend Reed and I was like, oh my gosh, he seems really great. He like, we said goodnight and he brought me Starbucks the next morning afterwards. And I was like, he's really awesome. And she was like, oh, what did he major in in college? And I was like, girl, I don't remember. I was drunk. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like, okay, but you just said you really like this guy and you don't remember anything about him. And it's like, shh, shh, shh. it's a feeling. It's a feeling. And it's like, girl, yeah. it is not. And it was like, I just was but like. That's what we're told. And yeah. you know what? I'm not going to leave you alone on that island. And I apologize to anyone that I've gone out on a date with in the last five years. If I've gone out on a date with you, there is a 100% chance that I had at least one to five drinks before I went out to meet you. And then we probably were meeting to drink. Right. And that is frightening. It's only frightening because I I just... I didn't remember anything about him. And then I was like basing all my feelings and all my emotions were uh, soaked in alcohol. And so I was really anxious about when is he going to text me? When is he going to ask me on another date? Did he have fun? Like, and then you bring in like the physicalness of a relationship and you're like, well, he didn't, he took me four dates to kiss me. And it's like, what is that about? And it's like, if you don't drink, like if I didn't drink alcohol, I might've, dare I say it, know myself enough to be like, you're just being yourself. And if he likes that, great. If he doesn't, he's not your man. Like, and that sounds so simple now, but it wasn't then, you know? And I think another thing, no, I totally agree. Another thing that it'll do is what we, and I don't think we consciously realize this while we're drinking, but while we're drinking, of course, our senses are taken down. Right. Our ability to critically think our are stripped from us. For sure. So then, yeah, our inhibitions. And then later, when you're trying to process things, put the puzzle together of, oh, does so-and-so like me? Like, okay, it's the fourth date and da-da-da. Well, we, we subconsciously know that we weren't able to process the interaction when we were there. So we're looking for these other signs, and we don't know they're there. So the anxiety of not knowing what happened is adding to the stress of the relationship. Like our own self-doubt is now added to the relationship. So now the relationship is failing because we doubt ourselves. My literal hand is over my mouth right now, if y'all could see me, because that just blew my mind. Like literally, what? I I struggled so long. That's exactly what it was. And and for some crazy reason, something in my, and and I've always been, and so I'm going to tag the books that we're talking about in the, in the, (laughs) Um, you know, comment section of this post when I post this. What's a book? 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> when I post this podcast, because... Sorry, you're going to have to edit this. The, the I don't know how, so we're not going <laughs> to. So I will comment this naked mind and the Enneagram thing, because yes. Enneagrams 8 are very in their body. And so I don't know what it was in my body to tell me this is more than any anything else that's ever been. And so I really just wanted to be a better me. I wanted to get to know Sean because I was like, something about this is good for me and I like it. And then we got in this fallout in on Memorial Day weekend in 2019. And I was like, I think he's, I think, I mean, I didn't even know if we were boyfriend, girlfriend yet. I think we had been official for like a week and I was really thinking he was going to break up with me. And because we just got, we were just drunk and fighting and I didn't even I was like I'm gonna lose this person and not even know why and that was something I really couldn't deal with because I was like I think he's incredible and I don't want to lose him over something that I don't remember and don't even have the wherewithal to be like I gave him my all you know it's like no you didn't you didn't know what was going on and so I I mean he was the one that had this naked mind that his mom sent him because he's right been, and that's what astonishes me because yeah. he was you guys were a catalyst for each other right he didn't he hadn't read the book but his mom sent it to him because he's been on the questioning the sober curious track for longer than I have been and he gave it to me almost as like because everyone says when you read this book you're going to be done with alcohol and so sometimes you don't want to read it because you don't want to be done with alcohol yet and so uh, that was my story right I read it and I remember I read it with you when we went to like Green Bean in downtown Greensboro a coffee shop and we read it you were probably reading like I don't know Star Trek of the next generation or some book like that hey I was reading (laughs) I, I think at that time I was reading Princess Diana her story told. Well, so another yourself a down. tragic story. Okay. And so I was reading it though, and I was like, "This is literally how I think I feel." Like, yeah, it's cognitive dissonance. When she, when Homegirl Annie Grace explained cognitive dissonance, the feeling of wanting to be done with something, knowing it's bad for you, and thinking it's life giving, and thinking it's what's going to give you connection, and that those two things happening at the same time, your brain is like, "What the heck are you doing?" I can't think through this. Your brain is like, I'm sorry, what? You know? And, and so it's just, it's a lot. And I do think meeting Sean was like what I needed. I don't know how much longer I would have gone drinking because, and this past weekend, Sean and I got engaged and I don't know how, if, I mean, if I was drinking throughout this relationship, we wouldn't be we wouldn't we wouldn't have lasted a year i don't think to be to be completely honest so and see it's interesting you say that because i i haven't been in well but let's just be honest people haven't been in any long term relationships here we go neither had bearing I. it all i hadn't so, either <laughs> so but um and to go back to the enneagram honestly if you're interested in if you're interested in that type of personality typing i'll post it's a very cool yeah it's a cool it's a cool system google it you don't have to buy or read the book just but anyway it helps me it helps me under it helps me relate to people that i am not the same i'm no one is the same as anybody you know so when you can read something and you're like this is going to help me better interact with others and not think that their things are like an insult to you they're just different from you you know so you're going to go exactly you, you said nines are what nines are oh my gosh i forget what it's called like childhood scar isn't that what it's called yeah anyways art 
our childhood scar, whatever they mark it as, each of the nine has a scar, and you can broadly interpret it as I have interpreted mine. But paraphrasing here, it means oh hello. <gasps> Give me the one scar second. For the okay, nine we're good. Is not feeling seen for who you are, mm. and that is so much my story. I can't even tell you, but some of it has been self-driven, um, and empowered by the use of alcohol where i personally i enter into relationships this is how it ties back into that and i like immediately put my foot forward as somebody other than who i am Mm. dooming the relationship from the start and reading that book and stepping away from alcohol and thinking of who i am has allowed me to see that Mm -hmm. still putting it into practice of changing But I think that's one of the most powerful things. Alcohol is a way of not being yourself. And I don't know what book I read. I don't remember if I I forget what it was, but I, ah, gosh, you know, we'll drop it in the comments. But basically it allows you to not be yourself in a situation where you're maybe anxious and you set up any relationship up, you set any relationship up for failure when you put alcohol at the base Mm. point blank period. Yeah. Because if you're because then later and this is this is a big thing for me. So if you've ever interacted with me and wondered, what's his problem? <laughs> <laughs> like if I meet you and you're like you send off signals of who you are and then later like you decide okay, so for me maybe there are certain things I allow people to say to me or there are certain ways I act where I'm like, Oh, I'm this person, I like to be this social, oh I have these interests and then later somebody they touch on that and then you're like, Oh, that's not who I am and then you resent them because you're like, You don't know me. But in reality, you never introduced yourself to them. Right. You introduced alcohol to them, mm. that person. So that's how I think about it. It's yeah. impossible to set up a relationship for success if you're going to start that way, right. which is what makes the whole thing so difficult. For, I but mean, I think yeah. it's really cool that you – I wouldn't have taken the journey if not for you. I know you, Sean, and you were my catalysts because mm-hmm. it was something I was thinking of for a while. And then I was like 98% there. And then I read this naked mind and I was like, and there we go. Yeah, that's it. It sort of, it solidified everything. I'd already sort of almost like you Miyagi'd me never saw a karate kid, (laughs) but I know the reference. Like I'd lived and I'd learned wax on wax off. And then one day I read it, like I read the book and it was like everything connected. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I remember the, I remember the moment that you texted Sean in like, I guess if you have six months, July, July, and you texted him and you were like, what's that app that you have? The sober app. And, and we were out to like, uh, the red collection, red hack. I don't know. It's a, it's a, um, vintage place like in yep. Greensboro. And we were there cause that's what you do when you're sober. You go to vintage stores and you don't buy anything, but you just look around anything to get yourself out of the house. And so we were there and just looking around and it was hot and we were walking to the car and Sean was like, Robbie just texted me and he asked about this sober app. And I was like, I hope my mouth kind of dropped. And I was like, Oh snap, it's going down. And I was like, and, and you didn't really, I mean, I let you, that's my thing is what I've learned. And like, like you said, I can't offer myself this way and expect, you know, others to 
know me. You know what I mean? Like I can't like I can't like offer something and and then you to understand it the first try. I think is also a, a personality. Like I can't force you to tell me everything you're thinking in the sobriety. Exactly. Journey. I can't ask you questions because I mean it's just it's you're gonna do it in your own time and you're gonna do it how you want to. And so I really tried to. Uh, and I, I, I work on that with Sean all the time. Like Sean will be frustrated by something and I will too. And I, I want to, I want him to stop being uncomfortable and, and feeling in discomfort. And I want him to hurry up and get to the happy part. You know, you're like, but you can't rush people along. It has to happen in their own time. And it's like, and this example literally happened like last week. And he was like an hour or two later, he was like, I'm not going to let that, that discourage me. And I'm going to move on. And I was like, holy cow, I just did it. I didn't like rush his emotions and I just let him be frustrated and like that's how I had to be on your journey with you because I was like I have to be in partnership with him and not (laughs) rush him on this like tell me everything are you done well especially (laughs) since I am I I don't respond well to being it it depends on the person yeah if I like I I don't I don't like being told what to do by certain people there are certain things that are going to set me off I think the only person you can be told about is your mother your mother is the only person in the world I think that can tell you what to do who is another person I'll give her a heart and that's and that's sort of actually that is like my standard if you're not my mother I don't know (laughs) what you're trying to tell me I have a mother her name is Lori (laughs) <laughs> and she is the only one who stands over me in this world. Everyone else, we're on an equal playing well, field. Well, because, yeah, that's what you, when you said that, you're like, some people can tell me what to do. I'm like, who? <laughs> it's just your mom. <laughs> but I think, and to add on to what you're saying, and I think that's the one thing that, you know, I think this conversation we're having is all about, is that the journey is so individual. Yeah. You've got to respect the person's journey. We all take it differently. We take it for different reasons. And it's up to you whether you take it. You may not need it, you know? I personally have found joy in what I've discovered through this walk of sobriety. But that doesn't mean everyone will. You have to experiment on your own. I will say, I think that in leading back into you can't put these thoughts onto other people, like when you step into it, I think, and this goes back to what I was saying about like if you were, if you were unsure of who you are or who you want to be, and you step into a situation where you're meeting people, putting yourself out there, it's easier to drink and put yourself out there is what is told. But think about if you're actually putting yourself out there or if you're putting a caricature mm-hmm. of yourself out there. Because I've noticed that there are situations now when I, you know, I interact with people and maybe they're drinking. Or maybe I'm just in a social situation, obviously not large social situations, five distanced people. Yeah. But where I do find myself being a little uncomfortable, but that's okay because I find myself sort of like in some ways wanting to walk back into being like a comfortable caricature of who I am. But without drinking, I'm not like doing that as often. I'm learning that I want to put who I am forward first because that's who I am. That's who I want people to appreciate me as. Um, and if you want to be appreciated for yourself, you should never mask it. Yeah. You know, so whatever is keeping those things up, you want to tear them down because you want to be loved and cared for who you are, not who others accidentally see you as on a one night bender yeah. where you're up there doing your <laughs> not well thought out comedy dance. act, <laughs> your, yeah, your dance on the table. 
you know? Yeah. Unless that's you. Right. Unless that's really, and that's that is totally you. fine. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think what you just said is beautiful, Robbie. And it is uncomfortable to be yourself without a shield, without a guard, because at one point in your life, you know, you probably were hurt or shamed by being that person. Carrie Hilson told us, it'll knock you down. Love will knock you right. down. Right. <laughs> you gotta get, I don't know the rest of that line. You got to get up. I'm, I'm assuming is the end of it. <laughs> I'm assuming. Something like that. You know, you'll get like, I get knocked down, but I get up again. Different song, but I'm here. And I'm participating. <laughs> and so I think, yeah, it's like, it's more vulnerable to be yourself. And at one point in your life, that might have been, you know, told you might have been told that's dumb or silly or or you been you might have been told that that no one wants to hear that or no one wants to be around you when you're this way or whatever the experience is that makes you want to put something in front of you to shield you and to keep you safe it doesn't have to be that way like anymore and and it's gonna like you said sometimes it's uncomfortable but then you're like oh good I got me and I I'm still me and I didn't lose anything from this interaction and I'm going to be better informed for the next time I interact with that person. Or it's like, I think of it as really like collecting data all the time. And that's what we're good at as people. Exactly. And to pull on some other great thinkers of our generation, my favorite murder, those ladies are always saying, follow your instincts, trust your gut. Right. Like if you're feeling uncomfortable in a situation, I think that's another thing. I'm, I'm still like, I'm still trying to learn this. There are reasons why we feel uncomfortable in situations because you're uncomfortable. Right. You know, read into that instead of leaning in. Well, here I am preaching. But anyways, (laughs) I've got I've got to lean into that more because I, as somebody who has trouble in social interactions, I know that that's something I want to work on. I want to be able to maneuver that as a sober individual, because that's something that matters to me, because being seen as who I am is what matters to me and. Something mm-hmm. that I haven't been putting in a valued position yeah. as an adult so far. So I'm trying to make that yeah. a reality. And I guess that's probably one of the biggest reasons why I decided to step away. I wanted to be seen and loved for who I was. Right. And I want to love and see people for who are, they are. And not yeah. judge them through a lens that... Isn't accurate. You know, is hasn't been accurate. Yeah. You know, <laughs> another thing you've said is, you know, look back on your life. Think of those wonderful moments where alcohol may have been involved what made the moment right was it the people you were with mm. was it the activity you were doing or was it the alcohol you were consuming yeah you know and i found mm. it was all of the above except for the alcohol yeah right because and those things and i i mean i watched an interview with holly whitaker who who wrote the book quit like a woman and she was interviewing annie grace who wrote this naked mind and they were talking about that they were like we thought, because I, I never, I'm not the type of person, I don't like to, I don't like to dance, just point blank period. I don't like to be in situations where. But you where, can. I mean, just because you can, I mean, you should. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so it was like, I didn't like those situations really. And I, I maybe I liked them more because I was drinking, but I found in sobriety, like, I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. And that feels real good. And it's like especially in those early months of sobriety when you're just trying to stay away from alcohol and you're just trying to, you know, make it the next day. For myself, I don't, I didn't experience that really because I was truly blessed when I read This Naked Mind and and Annie Grace told me I'd never have to drink again. And I was like, really? 
and I won't miss it, and I won't mourn that, you know, social element, and she's like, no, girl, it's going to be, like, way better, and so I didn't go through that, but I want to ask you real fast, because I were up to, like, <laughs> this has been the best conversation, and I'm like, we're going to get a part two, and a part three, and a part 87, because I know what the listeners don't know is that we recorded with Mr. Robbie months ago, and we were in the mountains on the way to hike, to hike, and Sean was in that episode, and we lost the the recording. We lost the tape. We lost the tape. It was a beautiful convo. It was a beautiful conversation. So, I feel like I want to continue this, and we'll have to do we'll have to do more parts because we're not even going we'll to get. We'll have to. We're not. Yeah, we're not even going to get to the part about how media influences drinking and like all the wow. lies it tells us because and that's really what I wanted to talk to you about. But this has been so <laughs> beautiful. Um, real fast, do you have cravings to drink? And if you do, like, how do you keep them at bay? Or what do you do? No. Okay. I think I... <laughs> well, for me, it's sort of... I remember, and you know, you can help me maneuver this. This was, I read from... I think this might have been We Are the Luckiest. It might have been This Naked Mind. But there are two types of, I guess, addiction that you get when you drink. There's like a physical and a psychological. Mm-hmm. I had the one, but not the other. Right. So for me, I hadn't... For me, I don't see myself as like, because I don't, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't consider myself an alcoholic. Like right. that's not something that I would label myself as. Yeah. But like for me, like, did I have like the physical cravings that an everyday person would have? Sure. Like there are certain things that would happen when I was drinking that would trigger me. But when I stopped, like that was gone. Yeah. Like when I decided it was over, it was over, and there was nothing like major drawing me back. Um, there are times. Using the sober app, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Friends, if and you know, we can drop a link for that too yeah, in, the, yeah. in the pod. I'm gonna start making but my list. <laughs> you, you better, I know. but anyways, when I got that from Sean, thank you, Sean, and thank you for the creators of it. I mark every day how I'm feeling and I try to write a note. Yeah, um, and at first they were a little more thoughtful, now it's a little more just day to day. I just write what's going on, right? Because honestly, I don't have the thoughts like every day is a green light day. Oh, read that book. We don't even have time. But anyways. <laughs> no, I got to write that Every down. day is a green light day where I say I haven't, like, there was no struggle. Yeah. yeah. There have been pockets where I've had tougher days, and I've, I haven't thought about it. I've just thought, like, I've just had tougher days. Right. And that's called being human. Oh, you don't say. But the answer is no. I have not had any cravings. Yeah. I haven't thought about going back. Um, there are some... Like, of course, there are lines in movies, there are things you see in media, which will bring us into another conversation later yeah. that make you want to live that experience. But I want to live that experience with just me. And if right. it's a glass of anything, it's ginger beer. That's right. Or it's tea. Tea has been a lifesaver. Dude, why we don't even have the so time good? to talk about health today. I know. Anyways, so I'm not even going to start because some right. of the, I, I ramble, folks. If you let me talk. I'm the kind of person where I'm sitting in the corner not speaking, but if you let me open my mouth, be ready. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's kind of what, um, I, I'm in the Luckiest Club uh, sobriety support group with, which is mm-hmm. from the creator of We Are the Luckiest, which is a book you right, mentioned, okay. Laura McGowan. And I go to meetings every day, I sometimes twice a day, because connection is connection and we need it. And, but I heard this girl and she said, sometimes I ramble, like, sorry, I'm rambling. And the, and the mediator or the host of the, of the meeting was just like, your brain is, is saying the things it needs to say how it needs to say it. 
and I was like, oh my gosh, go off sister. You're right. And like, and I think about if anyone has listened to the Joe Rogan interview with Kanye West, and if you listen to that, Kanye West sometimes sounds like the king of rambling, but when you really just let him finish his thought, it's like the most beautiful metaphor you've ever, and you're like, wait, that actually made sense. That just sounded real weird and real, like we don't really talk anymore, you know? He's like, he compares it to an orchestra, and he's, and I find that to be so enlightening, because I'm like, yeah, we're not, we're not rambling, we're just, we're just saying it the way our brain needs to think it through, and so I just really appreciate you, Robbie, and I think that I'm going to re-listen to this episode and, and write down all the books we mentioned and um, probably write down some snippets because you were dropping wisdoms like left and right. And I feel hey, really, uh-oh. uh-oh, Robbie about to take my job. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, um, well, I love, thank you so much for inviting me. I know yeah. it's, and that's another thing. I'm trying to, oh, right. Okay, well, you know, that's another part of my journey in the summer of 2020. Me, being sober curious, listening to those early episodes. And I, we never spoke about it directly, mm-hmm. about me coming on the podcast. And part of me felt I didn't want to come on because I, it's almost like I knew what was coming. Yeah. I hadn't decided to stop drinking, but I knew in the back of my head that I was going to stop. My unconscious knew first. Yeah. So I was like, you don't want to go on the show yet. It's not your time. Yeah. And then there was when it was my time, I was ready, but I didn't want to impose once again, something I know I'm not imposing being on here now, but it's, it's another thing I got to work through. Yeah. And that's but anyways, why, it's been like a joy. I love talking with you. That's why we've been going off now for what, an hour? Oops. Uh, yeah, it's been uh, 47 minutes. So, but... Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Anyways, 47, that's a good number. It My is. My number when I was a swimmer. But <laughs> didn't, know, no, didn't know swimmers had numbers because they are yeah. wearing a bathing suit. They don't, they, you know, because they, they, they're not going to know your name, so they can shout out your number. You know, if you're, like, just some weird kid that's supposed to get on the block, like, geez, this kid, he's not a swimmer. 47, get up there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Love you, Robbie. Anyways, it's been a pleasure. I love talking with you. You're a joy to have in my life, one of my rocks, mm-hmm. and always here for you. Gosh, what a blessing. In company and companionship. Thanks so much. We got to watch more Eagles games together next season because we do. It that was work this year. I mean, that was the missing element. We didn't watch a single game together, and for that, we apologize because and, it shows. Oh, you know what? Hmm. You go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying it shows that we didn't watch any games together because the previous three seasons we had. So just saying. And let this be a message that I put on the line, Thank Howie. You. If you screw up this off season. <laughs> with this i'm not i'm listen this new coach seems like a nice guy but you've gone against the locker room once again Mm. let it be known that our action will be swift i will find a way to claim ownership in a peaceful way you heard here first i'm not crazy but we will get ownership in a peaceful way and it'll be bye-bye okay it'll be bye-bye we'll take we'll come for everything because this is not legal what's happening here and and if you Um, didn't know what he was just speaking of (laughs) Educate yourself with uh, some Eagles, you know. Eagles any, lore. Any Eagles radio station. They're saying the same exactly. thing. Exactly. So. Moral of the story is the e- I, I I'm not one to say this, but I'll just speak it. The Eagles did not perform well this year is an understatement. Mm-hmm. They fired some people. They kept a guy who may or may not be a synonym to the word snake. <laughs> and there you go. 
There you go. That's all you need to know. Thanks, Robbie. There you go. Love you. You're welcome. Love you too.